The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gagillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Episode 86, Having Money Conversations with Kids with Bobby Rebel. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. This is Jill. And I'm the one with the curly hair. I'm the one with the straight, sometimes curled hair. Well, mostly... Look at my hair, girl. Look at my hair. I have <laughs> the a- super curly hair. <laughs> and now that you know which one of us is which, we want to talk about having money conversations with kids. Mm. To do that, we brought on our friend Bobby Rebel. Um, she is in the process of writing a book called Raising Financial Grownups. Um, she is the author of How to Be a Financial Grownup. And so we are so excited to have her on today and uh, pick her brain. Mm. But first, a word from our sponsors. For sure, of course. Also brought to you by mansplaining. The real art of explaining not-so-complicated concepts to very competent individuals. Here to tell you that, oh, sweetheart, this is not a real sponsor. It's a fake (laughs) one. Like when you play Monopoly, it's not real money. It's fake Do you get it? Mansplaining. The worst and most degrading way of providing information and definitely not the way you want to explain finances to your kids. For sure. And I'd like to point out that women can mansplain too. Oh my gosh, yeah. I realized Uh, that as I did it, I'm like, I'm so good at this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I gotta, yeah, I know a few of those ladies. Oh, yeah. Well. It's it's almost more cutting when it happens. (laughs) From a female, because because it's we hide it more, and it's like we're more on the same like, team. Uh huh. Oh gosh. Oh. Unfortunately, no, we're not. No, no. Well, to kick off our December, well, it's December thirteenth, so it's not really kicking it off. But we are so excited to have our guest for this month, Bobby Rebel. Uh, she is the author of How to Be a Financial Grown Up. She hosts the Financial Grown Up podcast. And uh, without further ado, let's get into our interview with her. Bobby Rebel is an award-winning TV anchor and former personal finance columnist at Reuters. She is a certified financial planner, author of How to Be a Financial Grown-Up, and the host of the Financial Grown-Up podcast. 
Thanks so much for coming on the show, Bobby. Thank you so much for having me. And you forgot my other second job, which is I'm also the co-host of Money with Friends yes. with Joe Salcihai from Stacking Benjamins. That's my latest venture. So it's probably not even in the bio yet because the I show know. is only a few months old, but I love doing Money with Friends with Joe. I know. And I actually knew that and forgot to put it in the bio, but you were also nominated with us for Best New Personal Finance Podcast. And we both lost. <laughs> None know, of us we won. Both lost. Yeah. We all so, lost. What's up with that? So we lost together. We, uh, we lost. We lost together. Yeah. So we both have friends in our names, which is also key, right? Yes. Yes. So and we that's have that how you bond. know they're good shows because yes. you're just talking about money and frugality with friends. That's probably what it was that they didn't want. They already knew we had enough people to be friends with. So they wanted probably, to give yes. the awards to people who didn't have friends. So well said. I think you nailed yes. it. <laughs> Thank you. Good word, Jill. <laughs> so Bobby, I wanted you to come on the show because I saw that you're working on a follow-up to your book, yes. How to Be a Financial Grown-Up. And it's how to raise financial grownups. And so we really wanted to pick your brain on teaching kids about money. Because uh, personally, my son won't listen to a word I say about compound interest. And how old is your son? <laughs> to be clear, he's, let's, let's he's be honest He's four here. months. <laughs> okay. And I feel like at this point, <laughs> he should be listening uh, more productive. He should be more productive with his days. Yeah. But he really he needs won't. to get a job. You know what? Yeah. You have a late bloomer. It's okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I just have to come to terms with that. You have to come um, to terms with it, but you have to let your child grow into who they are. And you know what? He will catch up. And even late bloomers can have successful and productive lives. So mm, hang in there. Yes. Good word. Thank you. So I'm going to just <laughs> reference back to this episode in about like a month or two when I feel like he's more ready. Yes. Uh, totally. <laughs> yeah. Yes, maybe we'll have my 12-year-old do a coaching session with him. Perfect. Uh, we could, we'll schedule that. Perfect. If the 12-year-old's still speaking to me oh, after all my money yes. lessons. Yes. Um, so tell our listeners about you and your kids and all that. So I have three kids. I have a 12-year-old that we just referenced. He's a boy. He's in sixth grade, and he gets the everyday money lessons from me all the time, which we'll talk about <laughs> later. I also have two older stepchildren, and um, they are 22 and 20. One just graduated from college and has a totally awesome job. So proud of her. She's earning mm -hmm. a great salary, and she's saving up to buy her first home. And then our 20-year-old, my stepson, is a sophomore in college, and he is no longer studying finance. He has decided to go into film. So we're having some money discussions with him about that life decision. We'll see how that goes. Um, and uh, that's the three. And then I have a husband who's wonderful. He works in consulting. And we have a dog who does not provide income, but we're mm. trying to get her a modeling contract because she's super cute. But she's right <laughs> now on the payroll only. She's not bringing in income for us. Yes. Yeah. Get, but you can check her out income. on my Instagram, Waffles. Oh, <laughs> she's beautiful. Yes. That's amazing. I love that name. We're so excited to hear about all the money lessons, you know, all of them that you're teaching your 12-year-old. Yeah, we're going to be here for a while. Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> There's a lot I can learn, I'm sure. Yes. If he was here, he'd be doing major eye rolls yes. while also oh multitasking, playing on his phone, of course. Mm, yes. So we started talking before we even pressed record about just the generational impact of this conversation. And while we're talking about raising kids to be financially savvy, of course, we can't gloss over the impact of parents and siblings. For you, Bobby, what has, what's been the impact of your parents and siblings on your spending habits as an adult? It's really interesting, guys, because you see what your parents were doing so differently when you yourself become an adult. And especially, and Jen can, of course, relate, um, when you have children and you're having money discussions with children starting at, you know, four months old. So, I did not have a lot of money discussions with my mother directly. I had a lot with my father who worked on Wall Street and he would sit us down, my siblings and I, and he would ask us specifically what we needed money for and what our budget was. And then he would give us the money for that budget. And we also always had jobs, I should say. Starting from age 15, I had a job at a bakery. I had a job at a department store. So we also always worked for our own money. But my mom, it was more observing. And this is where it gets interesting. She's no longer with us. But at the time, I would observe her making these decisions that were extremely frugal, despite the fact that from what I can tell, we were relatively comfortable. As I said, my father worked on Wall Street. So for Mm -hmm. example, I remember whenever we went on a plane, we were bringing homemade meals, always. We went Mm -hmm. to the local, I don't know what you'd call it. It wasn't a pool. It was more of like a homemade lake kind of, Mm -hmm. which as a kid is like huge. It was like a massive beach around this beautiful lake with all of these food stands and all this activity. (laughs) You go back and it's like, it was a muddy puddle. Exactly. Totally. (laughs) Totally. It's like a puddle. Right. But we would go there. It was called Darlington Park. I remember in New Jersey. Oh my goodness. I can't believe that came to me. And we would always bring our own food and we never were allowed to buy the food like the cool kids. And you know, I didn't really think, I I wasn't happy about it at the time, but looking back, I realized this was her way of being frugal, that we wouldn't go and just buy the store-bought food. We were always bringing our own. She would slice up salami slices on white bread, always white bread. And we would have, um, it's interesting because in that era, and this is the seventies and eighties, I don't know why we didn't just drink water, but for some reason we were always (laughs) drinking like juices. Like she would literally on purpose put color, dye and sugar into our water to make it into juice. She would mix the juice at home. Oh it would my be like gosh. the packets that she it would dump in. It was like sugar and dye. And like, I don't know what, why, why did we do that? We had water that was perfectly good, but she would do that. And then we would have our fruit drinks that you know, she'd pour into the little cups that she would bring. And so, you know, I grew up not knowing what was going, she wasn't having discussions with me, but it was more observing. So we would do these things. And I remember even when my father started doing clearly, they never told us, but start things, we moved to a better house. He started driving a really fancy car. And so we moved into this house and my mom would be decorating. And I remember one day she was putting up towels over the windows. And I said, mommy, why are you doing that? And I was about 13. And she explained that, you know, we spent so much on the house that we're just not going to buy curtains for a while. So these were just observations. There was never an on-purpose discussion with her. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting how those things stick with you. And even in my own home, we've done things in stages. Mm-hmm. So even today, we're talking about we still have a dining room table that predates my marriage, which is 13 years. And we're talking about it's really time. We need to do that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, mm, 
let's wait. Right. Let's wait. <laughs> right. There's nothing wrong. It's perfectly good. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a little scratched up, but you can put a tablecloth over it, guys, right? Right. Of course. And it's interesting. It seems like what you're describing is is a lot of what we talk about on our show, just defining frugality, because I think there's so many different versions of it, or people use that word in so many different ways. But frugality isn't necessarily just a reflection of how much money you have. Certainly, some people are choosing frugality, well, not choosing, it's being chosen for them because they're, they don't have a lot of money, but it can also be a lifestyle that regardless of what amount of money you're living off of, you choose like the bologna sandwiches mm-hmm. on the airplane and the towels for curtains. Do you feel as though those types of things are you've adopted and, and do you, do you like that about yourself or, or is that something that you'd rather change? I think there's a balance. I think there's nothing wrong with being aware of what things cost and making deliberate choices. I also think that we are all very much a product of our parents. So now I look at my parents and I think about, well, what was their background, right? Mm -hmm. So my mother, she's acting in irrationally frugal ways. She had a husband that was certainly able to provide enough that we could have curtains. And by the way, my father listened to me talk about that story on a podcast and corrected me. He said, we absolutely (laughs) had money. She just had an issue spending it, but we had the money to buy curtains. So, you know, it, it, but she had, she had lost her father at a very young age. And it was at a time where her mother, my grandmother, who as a woman did not go to college in that era, which was common. Some women obviously went to college, but many, many did not have that opportunity. And my grandmother talked about being upset that she did not have the opportunity that her brother had. So my, mm-hmm. my grandmother was widowed young and had no real ability to earn money. And so they had a real financial crisis. And I think that my mother's sometimes irrational frugality came from that era of not having the money of mm. being worried about what's going on versus my dad had grown up. His father had been born in this country, but his grandparents had been immigrants and they had moved up a traditional economic path of success in that they had their own family business and it grew. And my grandfather went to college and my father not only went to college, he went to private high school and then went on to Ivy League schools for college. So my father came from a very privileged background. And so that may have contributed to his feeling a lot more secure spending money. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it's interesting to look at what informs our perceptions of frugality. Yeah. I like that term, irrational frugality. Same. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Not always going to be helpful for us. Yeah, definitely. But we all do that. We all do things like that. Yeah. I think that I brought the same irrational frugality when I was like in college, like still nickel and diming, making all these small purchases, but not believing that I could spend money on larger purchases and save money and pay off debt, like believing I was too broke to do that. But I had enough money to like buy all the lattes and the dollar things in the Target mm-hmm. like dollar section. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely had to learn. And like some people call it a scarcity mindset too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the term irrational frugality. <laughs> but back to teaching kids about money. Let's start with young kids. What do you think are the most important things that parents can do to teach young kids about money? Make it part of your everyday life. And you will get some of the eye rolls, which I certainly get. But I, for example, whenever we take a taxi, which I hate to do, but there are times when I have to because I have to get from point A to point B in a certain amount of time. And that's the only way it's going to happen. I will have my 12-year-old take my phone and he puts in the uh, code to... uh, 
pay. We pay through the through an app, and he can see how much is going to the tip, how much is going to tax, and so he understands right now. We've had had some new taxes in New York City, so when that happened, he understood that the price just to get into the taxi had gone up mm. because there's certain mm. automatic taxes, flat fee taxes that go onto every taxi bill, and so that's a big lesson about taxes and why things sometimes cost what they cost, even though the driver may not be getting that money. And we've had discussions about how a lot of the drivers don't even own their own taxis, that they basically rent them. Mm. And so Mm -hmm. that goes into your net profits because you don't always keep all the revenue, which is what people pay. So he understands now what people pay to the taxi driver is not necessarily what they're earning for the day. So everyday life is the best way, Mm -hmm. whatever that may be. Hopefully you guys are not paying for overpriced taxis in New York City, (laughs) but whatever you're doing. Even you go to the gas pump, that's a great way. Help them, have them help you pump the gas, have them see if there's a different price for cash and credit, have them see what the tax is on that and understand how that all works. Explain when you go through a toll booth in the car, um, where does that money go? In theory, it's going to maintain the roads. Not always, but you can tell them it is, right? Mm -hmm. Keep simple. Mm -hmm. So everything, everything in life is a lesson. How do you balance that eye roll, right, of teaching them, but yet not making them despise this thing? Where's that line for you? So the eye roll is new because he's 12. (laughs) (laughs) So I will maybe put it out to your audience. Maybe people can write in and tell me some tips because I'm certainly struggling with that a little bit myself. Part of the eye roll is because he's kind of over it because he knows what I do for a living. So he's used to it. Mm. Um, so I don't know. I think just be cool about it and just know that, that that's more of a teenager thing. Mm-hmm. He's a tween mm-hmm. technically, I guess, at age 12. Mm-hmm. But it's also you have to know when to shut it down a little bit. We had a little injured toe. He fractured his toe last week. And I did ask him if he understood that we were in an in-network provider and what that meant. And he actually did <laughs> explain to me what that was. And I said, do you understand the deductible and how great it is that we're past the, dedu- the deductible right now? And he did explain what that was. And he said, okay, mom, can we stop now? <laughs> my toe really hurts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, my toe hurts. But he was on it. He yeah, actually, I was sure. kind of really impressed with him that he did understand what I was talking about yeah. with that. So that was pretty cool of him. What about when he was younger? How soon did you start with these lessons and how did you make them age appropriate? You start when they ask. Mm. Something will come up. Mm. So for example, you might be picking out a birthday present for a friend of theirs and there should be a budget because otherwise, what if they just gravitate towards this $100 toy, which by the way, is not our budget for birthday toys. So yeah. Jen, you don't need to spend a hundred bucks. Um, so, you know, let's say you want to spend 20 bucks for, to go to, a, you know, a, let's say he's four and you're four years old, not four months. And he now has some say and what you're going to be getting for his friend for the birthday party, you can give them a budget and show them how the price, hopefully you're at a store where they display prices, or you can maybe go up to the person working at the store. I love to patronize. We have some small toy stores in my neighborhood and you go in with them and you say, what do you have? Or have your, your child say, ideally, we're buying a present for my friend. They like this, this, and this, you know, they're into star Wars or whatever it is. And our budget is between 20 and $25. Can you show me some options? Mm. And that way they can sort mm. of get a very granular understanding of how to spend money and how it works. Yeah. And it's fun because they're picking out a present. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, 
you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade, lounge access, wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet, finance smarter. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, did you have your kids interact with money at all, even at a young age, as in like a version of an allowance or here's how we set percentages aside or how did you approach that? We did not have allowances for the older kids. For my 12-year-old, he wants an allowance. And so we're starting to do that at $10 a week. Mm -hmm. um, But he hasn't gotten it all the time because of things that he's done in terms of media because he now has a phone. So that's been erratic. Mm -hmm. What we did do is we talked to them about money and they had jobs. And I really like the idea of kids earning income themselves, not just being paid to be part of the family. Um, I'm still unsure how I feel about allowance. Mm -hmm. I I see both sides and I'm conflicted. I think it's nice to have kids have spending money. And I definitely understand parents that just say, well, I want my kid to focus on their activities and on their schoolwork and there's no need for them to have a job job. And I think that's great. Uh, but both both of my older stepkids have had jobs. And I will tell you that my stepdaughter who is saving to buy her own apartment, and we're really proud of her, she has a nice base. She's not quite there yet, but a lot of it is money she earned over the years. And my stepson also very cognizant of money that he's earning. And I think there's something really tangible and wonderful about earning money themselves. Mm. But then people say, and again, I'm conflicted about this. People say, well, then pay your kids to do household chores. I don't like to do that. Mm -hmm. I think that if you're part of the family, you clean up after yourself. And if someone else leaves something out and they left and they forgot it, pick it up. It's okay. We're all a family. So I don't love the idea. I don't want to say to my child, take out the garbage and have him say, pay me $5. Yeah. <laughs> you take out the garbage. That's just my feeling. Yeah. But I totally respect that other people have different things that work for their family. So sure. I, I'm just figuring it out. And a lot of my my next book, Raising Financial Grownups, is about me figuring it out with the older kids because I'm going through a lot of questions where I am conflicted and I'm a little bit unsure of what I'm doing yeah. in terms of getting them to be truly financial grownups, as I say, to have their own financial independence. Because as a parent, you do want to help them financially. I personally cannot just write a check to buy my stepdaughter an apartment. But part of me feels like, well, if I had a mountain of free cash, 
I would want to because I just want her to have her own apartment and be happy and free. And isn't that great? Mm -hmm. And we have to resist that temptation because kids won't learn financial independence if we just buy everything for them. Mm -hmm. That said, if they want to earn money, I think that you can help them set up a business if that's something that they're interested yeah. in doing. So instead of whatever it is, a chore around the house, maybe they, instead of, maybe you're not going to pay them to rake leaves off your lawn, but you can help them make a business where they rake the leaves for your neighbors. Yes, in other I words, love that idea. So that they so, learn business yeah. skills. Um, we have not done that. I think that's a great idea though. So I'm learning from you yeah. guys, but I just, for me, I just, I, cause they're not paying me to pick them up from, from their sports practice. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? No. Yeah. I totally I mean, get I don't like, know. It would be kind of one way. And I guess I'm dealing with older kids now, but I make them dinner. I, you know, pick them up at all these activities. We provide shelter and food and all this stuff and we don't expect to be paid. So if I ask someone to take out the garbage, I want them to just say, sure, no problem and get up and do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I I support that. I like that. But yeah, trying to help them set up maybe a business where they do these simple household tasks for other people so they can separate it from like their home. I I love that idea. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've gotten away from doing the paper route and those kind of things in this generation. Maybe it exists. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just because I'm in New York City and people don't buy that many physical papers anymore. But (laughs) the idea of having jobs when you're young is a really great thing. Another thing I think Mm -hmm. is that we've moved away from because we have so much digital is actually understanding counting actual money. My son had saved a lot of coins because he did the Mm. three jars that Ron Lieber advocates and the opposite of spoiled. And we went to put them in the bank and the bank explained that if we were going to deposit them, that we had to put them in the little sleeves. And if you take them to a machine, I looked up the machine, it's like 11% they take. So I gave my son the choice, by the way. He did not want to give up 11%. So score one for (laughs) young Harry. And we sat there at the bank and and we were wrapping all these coins. It was $47 worth of coins, a little more than 47. I don't remember the exact number. There's an Instagram story on it somewhere. And he said to me, he says, mom, this is kind of nice. I feel like this is kind of a soothing activity. We're just sitting here, literally counting pennies and spending time together. And there was something really tangible about actual physical money that I think can, mm-hmm. younger children can really get a lot out of understanding and then bringing it to the bank teller mm-hmm. and depositing it in his account. Absolutely. He, I made him speak to her. I just stood a foot behind and nodded and he made the transaction himself. I love that. And that's the thing. Most of us are tangible learners, tactile, visual. It, it's not mm-hmm. enough to just do the auditory spoken lessons, but to actually interact with money and to know what that's all about, that's priceless. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a struggle. It's, uh, let me just tell you one thing I do struggle with, and, I, and it'll be interesting if you get any listener feedback on this. Right now, kids can buy things that are virtual. They don't exist. So a game in some of the games that my yes. son plays, they can buy things. And he he does get a trickle of allowance when he's you know doing the right thing. And he wants to sometimes use that to buy these virtual things. And I'm really struggling with it because you want to say, okay, let him learn his... To me, it's a mistake. I don't know. I feel like this is <laughs> a bunch of whatever a bunch of hooey, let's say. It's, I don't know if it's a G-rated show here, but um, I don't <laughs> want him buying that. I just think that's the yeah. dumbest thing yeah. ever. And he's like, but mom, you know, everyone else is at this level and I can't get to the level because they're all buying this stuff. And I'm like, oh boy, this is really keeping up with the Joneses. This is, you know, and you're literally throwing away your money, but yet shouldn't I let him 
learn his money lessons himself, right? Mm -hmm. So what do you do with this world of virtual stuff? Because you talk about tactile things. What do you do when a kid wants to buy something that's not even a thing? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's why we're talking about young children and that it does start young. So if they Mm -hmm. had interacted with real money at an age appropriate level at three, four, five, six, seven, by the time they get to interacting online with virtual things, there's a greater understanding and value for it. Yeah. Than just like, yeah, I don't know. This is just a number on the screen. Click the OK button. Yeah. And you mentioned the the three jar system, which is, um, I believe, like save, spend and give. Correct me Correct. if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yes. And so if you're teaching kids to save before they spend, I think even and then they get to spend on whatever they want, even if it's imaginary, but you empower them to spend, I think they'll make mistakes. They'll make a bunch of mistakes at first, but then eventually uh, they'll get tired of not having anything to show for their spend jar (laughs) and and see all the great things that they have gotten after they've saved. And I think that in itself, I think that will like course correct as long as the, you know, you're teaching all the parts of money to give, save and spend. I hope you're right. (laughs) I don't know right now. Right now, I'm not so sure. He's pretty into the virtual stuff. Yeah, we'll see. So speaking of older kids, teens, and even young adults, what can be done by parents? What are some top tips to help them understand these important money lessons as they are about to leave the nest and, and how to be able to even act on those lessons, actually put it into practice? This is a really hot topic right now, and that is what I'm writing my book on because I am, if we're being completely honest here, I am struggling with this myself. It's very hard. I love that you said as they get ready to leave the nest, you're making a big assumption (laughs) that they're going to leave the nest. Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) As you prepare to push them out of the nest. (laughs) And they prepare to hold on with everything in them. (laughs) Exactly. But you guys, okay, so you're talking to, I am a Gen Xer. And so we are the generation of helicopter parents. And we are now morphing into, they call them bulldozer parents, snowplow parents, and so on. What? So it's really unrealistic. Oh, yeah. What does that mean? What is a snowplow parent? Like, that they're just, they're just mowing over every, they're just hovering to a degree that they oh, are going to, and I did not wow. do this, they're going to the, the, um, the job interview. So for example, this oh is so bad. Goodness. So this didn't happen. So this almost, this almost happened in my house. So my, my, uh, uh, one of the children, I want to make this somewhat anonymous, had a little hiccup at their, you know, work. And I literally said to my husband, can't you go in and just fix it? <gasps> Like the, I know, and he he looked at me. He's like, no, <laughs> no, you know, because I was like, oh, but you know, like it's almost like, but I want them to get an A. So can you just fix the test? And I had to catch myself. That's so bad, right? Oh my god, so bad, <laughs> right? So we are we're having troubles. I mean, even we were cleaning out. We redid the boys' room, and even cleaning out. You know, my my son had done relatively well at at, at chess in that there would be a hundred kids, and he sometimes won eighth or ninth place. Okay, but out of it's not that bad. You know, they give you whatever they give you a trophy and I could not throw away the trophies because, and my, my son was like, yeah, whatever, get rid of it. I don't care. And I'm like, Oh, but remember the time, you know, and we're so proud of their like, you know, eighth grade trophy, eighth place trophy. And that has to end. So anyway, so a lot of the issue is really the parents when it comes to older kids, I believe just owning it a little bit myself, but you go through these things where you say you want them to be independent, but then 
well, why would you, if you're already paying for a Netflix subscription, why would you make your adult child pay for another one? That's just dumb, right? Mm -hmm. So why would you, and then the phone bill is another tricky thing because now we have, um, my stepdaughter has, she rents, she chose to rent a phone from Apple. So she always has the latest, greatest one. And then we also have her portion of our family bill, her line and some other stuff and the taxes and the insurance that goes with that. So I want her to be putting all of her money into saving for a new apartment, right? To buy an apartment. And she's making progress. She is living at home. She's banking all her money. She's doing all the things, guys. I see the little bit she spends. It's so it's such a trickle. She's really doing everything she should be doing, right? But yet, mm-hmm. on principle, I feel like she should be paying her phone bill, right? She's got an awesome job. She's 22. Mm-hmm. She has no overhead. But it seems petty. So mm-hmm. I'm sort of torn. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we recently talked about it and she's like, okay, I'll pay this portion of it. And she's doing all the things. But then I'm kind of like, oh, but do I really want to take $40 a month from her when she's doing Mm -hmm. all the things, right? So I don't really know. And that's kind of what the book is going to be about is how do you figure out where the right balance is, you know, especially when the kids are kind of doing what you taught them to do, right? Yeah. But Mm -hmm. we don't want to let go. We are providing subsidies that may or may not be as needed as we think they are. But I don't know. What do you think? Should you pay your 22-year-old's phone bill if you can and you want her to save money? Or should you say, well, you're 22, pay your own phone bill? Mm, it's so I interesting. Know. I had right? my my mom paid for my phone and and most of my bills until I got married at 25. It was so crazy. And I didn't think about it. Like it never crossed my mind. We never talked about it. And I lived at home for two years after college. So I was used to being on my own and paying most of my bills. So I was used to paying rent um, and utilities and stuff like that. But for my health insurance, which was cheaper to be on her health insurance, and then like a phone bill, uh, those things she always paid. I never never even crossed my mind that I should be paying for them because we never had that conversation. But now looking back, I'm like, yeah, I should have been paying that. Like I would definitely make my kid pay their portion of their phone bill. But yeah, but it did help me because I was like getting my master's degree. I had a very small income because I was only working part time and like paying for rent and stuff. So it did help. It take a, took a lot of burden off of me to not have those few little expenses. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, yeah, I'm as a product of it, I'm also torn because it clearly, I still have okay money habits even after having the privilege of having that stuff paid for me for so long. It's interesting. You never, you never had a conversation about it. No, but later I did after I was already, you know, paying for all my own stuff. And what she said was that because she felt guilty for not being able to provide college for me, because I had to take out student loans for my master's, she felt the least she could do was pay for my insurance and phone bill. So that made some sense to me. But yeah, it wasn't until later that we had that conversation. And health insurance is also tricky because you can say, okay, the total cost of paying for a young adult's health insurance, you want to pick whichever one is better overall. Mm -hmm. So if getting them completely separate would cost whatever, a certain number, and you could save half the money if they were in the parent's plan, you don't want to create an extra expense ever for a child. But then just because they're in your plan doesn't mean that they shouldn't pay their portion of it. So there's two things you're deciding. One, are they on your plan or their own independent plan? And then two, are they paying for their portion of your plan if they're on your plan? Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it goes for the phone as well. So to bump Ashley off the 
family plan would have been a lot more money than her simply paying a portion that is allocated to her of our plan. So you never, mm-hmm. one thing I feel very strongly about is never create false expenses or unnecessary expenses to prove a point. Like for sure. Don't triple your yeah. kids. You know, if you can have them on your plan for 30 or 40 bucks and it's going to be over a hundred for them to be completely independent, if you want to make a point and you want to have them pay, have them pay the, the 30 or 40 bucks of your plan. Don't create more expense as a family. I call it a family ecosystem. It's one Mm -hmm. of the concepts in the book that we should all support each other. I don't believe in just cutting people off and it should be multi-generational. There may be times when your parents need your support and you should be prepared to to do that in a loving way as well. It's really Mm -hmm. a family ecosystem and everyone should be there to support each other and not in a dependent way, but in a supportive way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the most important part is having the conversation. So, you didn't and have, to determine right. right to determine like what's working for us. Are we going to do this while you're in college? Are we going to wait until you're done with college? Mm-hmm. Just kind of talking with each other to determine the plan of action. There's no one right plan of action for everyone, but to figure mm-hmm. it out together. You know what else we can figure out together? Yeah, and what else that I really love? The best time of the week. Yeah, it's <laughs> the, the bill, bill of the, of the week. week. for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, Buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the Bill of the Week. So, Bobby, every week we have either a listener or our guest share their favorite bill uh, for the week and... We wanted to invite you to share yours. You mentioned it a little bit before we started recording, and so I'm excited for you to share. Tell us about your bill. So the bill of the week is my new computer that I am finally buying. Right now we are recording on my soon-to-be-retired 2013 MacBook Pro, and I will soon own a new MacBook Pro that is super fancy. I got the top of the line because... I realized that I'm running my business on this computer and my current computer is overheating. It cannot handle updates of software. There's all kinds of problems going on and they're not going to be solved. And so I do have to bite the bullet and buy a computer. And it was really hard because I wanted to buy something that was much more, not necessarily the cheapest, but mid-tier. And I really made a decision to buy a top-of-the-line computer because I'm amortizing it in my head over seven years because this current computer lasted seven years. And on a per-year basis, the difference between getting something that's okay versus something that's great is really minimal. And I see where our businesses are going. And we really use these computers to run our whole business. And I think it's going to be a really good investment. Nice. Yeah. And yes. I love that you you made the decision because you value your business. You yes. are doing something that's going to make your life easier in your business. Yes. And and I love that. It's it's choosing to do things that will make your life easier instead of pinching pennies and making it more inconvenient. And that is super frugal. It's an investment. Mm-hmm. I'm not happy. I'm still cringing as you can tell. <laughs> 
Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing your bill with us. If you all want to submit your bill of the week, visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill. Leave us a bill. It can be that great computer that's going to serve purpose your purposes or any other kind of bill. Really doesn't matter. We want to hear it. Yeah. The guy named Bill that sold you the computer, yes. whatever, <laughs> if you really uh-huh. like him. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. If you're looking to upgrade your wallet, you need to turn to Nerd Wallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. If you're paying for vacations with whatever card is in your wallet, you could be missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. You can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet, finance smarter. I don't love creating my spending plan each month, and it took me a while to find a budgeting app that had simple features, but didn't feel and look like a spreadsheet. If that's you too, Monarch's the way to go. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all of your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. I like how easy it is to customize my budget and create automatic transaction rules. The transaction widget helps me stay on top of my spending. After using Monarch for several months, I understand why it's the top rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal. For your extended 30-day free trial, go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. And then it leads us to the lightning round. You guys are scaring me. I know. The lightning round is a scary segment. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's reasonable for you you to feel that way. I often feel nervous. You're raising the bar. (laughs) (laughs) We get to the end of the podcast and we start getting loud. Yeah, Jill does. I I still get scared. (laughs) So our lightning round is super short. We really want to know three tips or however many tips you want to give for how we as age adults can be financial adults or financial grown-ups, as you call it. So what are your tips for all of the adults and parents, non-parents out there? Okay. Number one, you have to actually like look at numbers. It's so scary, but you have to open the mail or the virtual email or open your accounts and actually know what you owe, know what you have, know what your bills are and just own it. And just run those, you know, summaries where they'll lay everything out and you can see where your money's going. Because if you just have that information, it's kind of like when they started posting the calories on food. I don't know if you guys have that. Right. But here in New York, when you go to restaurants, they will post the calories. And let me tell you, your eating habits change very fast mm-hmm. when you see those numbers, right? Mm, yeah. yeah yep. Or my guilt level. <laughs> either, yeah, either one. I mean, <laughs> totally. Um, 
Number two, automate things because it's so much less stressful. Because also, as you get older, yes. your memory is going to go. So this way, you don't have to remember to pay all your bills. You automate them. But with a caveat, you still have to go back to step number one, to tip number one, and look at what's going on. Because, for example, I recently caught the fact that I had unwittingly su- subscribed to some magazines that I didn't want just because, even though I love them, they're a time suck and I never get to them and they just sit there piling up. So I didn't want the magazines. But you know what I didn't do? I didn't cancel the auto pay on the subscriptions. And it was a $3.67 charge, but it really upset me. Mm-hmm. And it was on auto and it was going to keep going forever. Like they <laughs> yeah. were never going to let go. No. So I had to cancel it. So even though you automate, you need to still like put it on your calendar. Like this is what I did now. I actually put it on my calendar every three months to go through everything because you need to check that you're not automatically paying for things that you don't actually want, mm-hmm. but that you should automate the things that you do want to pay. So yes. pay for things automatically. And and pay also includes paying yourself things like your um, 401k or whatever else is going on, IRA, any savings, 529s if your parents, Woo-hoo. all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my third tip is to forgive your mistakes because we all mess up. I do constantly, as you've heard. Um, <laughs> so just know you're going to mess up. And so be forgiving of yourself and just deal with it. Mm, it's okay. Yeah. Because we all mess up. Yes, like yes. I like I just said, like I'm paying for magazine subscriptions that I don't I literally don't want. And mm-hmm. by the way, on that phone call, guys, they were they didn't want to let me drop it. They're like, well, we'll let you have another year for free. And I'm like, oh I gosh. don't care. Mm-hmm. I don't want 12 magazines stacked. Yeah. Exactly. They're stressing me out because they feel like a to-do list, right? Because you feel like someone worked hard on this magazine. I should read it. And so yeah. And you know, and by the way, when that year ends, you know what's happening. hitting your bill one more time. So that's a big mistake, right? All all those subscriptions that you have, you got to get rid of them. I mean, whatever you're not using, which is probably a lot of them. If you're using them, that's cool. But you know. Sure. Yeah. That's great. Thanks so much, Bobby, for coming on the show. Where can people find more from you if this just was not enough? Which clearly it won't be. Oh, you guys are so kind. Um, well, first of all, I have a website. It's my name, bobbyrebell.com. So that's the easiest thing. But please check out my podcast, Money with Friends. All podcasts with the word friends in them are awesome. So Money Agreed. with Friends, just like frugal friends, right? Yes. And then, of course, Financial Grown Up. And you can check out my book as well, which is How to Be a Financial Grown Up along the same theme. And uh, thank you guys for having me. That's it. Oh, and yeah. follow me on the socials, please. I'm really sad on Instagram. I'm really trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, but Bobby Rebel one B-O-B-B-I-R-E-B-E-L and then the number one. Thank you, Bobby, for coming on. I'll mention her her book, Financial Grown-Up, How to Be a Financial Grown-Up, has like awesome interviews with like all these famous people. So definitely check it out. You oh, will love you. it. And uh, all those podcasts that you're on, check them Way out. too many so, podcasts, but yeah. please, <laughs> please check them out. <laughs> yes. Great. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you, guys. Awesome. That was a fun time. Bobby is so great. And uh, we were so happy to have her on. And we hope that you picked out something from that interview that you could take and use either in your life um, or in your family's life. Mm. If you are joining us for our book club this month, we are reading my new book, Pay Off Your Debt for Good. And uh, I'm super excited about it. 
I mean, I'm totally biased. (laughs) We're all excited. And there's even more exciting news. If you want a free copy of Jen's book, leave us a review on iTunes. Screenshot that review and email it to us at frugalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. And we will select one winner for every five reviews we get. So the likelihood of you getting a free book is pretty big. Mm -hmm. And if you want to know a good example of a helpful review... Here's our review of the week. It is from at Toad and Cake. Love that name. Mm. Uh, And it is five stars and it's the best. That's the title. Uh, I also feel that way about the review though. This podcast is so good. It's the perfect combination of entertaining and informative. And I can't get enough of the fake sponsors. Oh, well, I'm glad we didn't have to explain that to Toad and Cake. Yeah. Know they're fake. <laughs> they always crack me up. I've been binging it all week and can't get enough. I'm so inspired by all the practical tips from the hosts and guests. Keep up the great work. So thank you. That was a very helpful review and helps people know what they can expect from the podcast. And that is the point of reviews. Thanks, Toad and Cake. See you next week. See ya. Frugal Friends is produced, edited, and mixed by Eric Siriani. I'm sorry for the awkward introduction. I just felt it was time that we told people who was mm. who on the icon because we had a thread in our Facebook group yeah. about everyone mixed us up. It must be something psychological for people when they when they look at our picture they match my voice with your body (laughs) your voice with my body it's like um, mythical creatures really (laughs) this whole swapping of voices and bodies one of the things I think is so you're the first one on the picture but I'm always the first one speaking like doing Mm -hmm. the title so Mm -hmm. maybe that's why they just think the first person is the first one speaking? I don't know. We could probably do a whole thesis and dissertation and research process on it. Yeah. Or we could just go with what you just said and assume that's the case. I don't know. We would love to hear why you think who is who on in our Facebook group. Yeah. People had some strong opinions. Uh-huh. Yeah. What if we're getting into territory? Yeah, no, I don't know. (laughs) As I'm thinking, I'm like, where are we going? What would be? Yeah, no, I am curious. Why would they think that? I don't know. I can't wait to hear. Also, we put up a thread uh, about a week and a half ago uh, asking for tips, not tips, but ideas for episodes for 2020. So Mm. we are writing our 2020 Uh, episodes list. So if you are listening and you have a topic that you'd really like to hear about, please head over to our Facebook community group, find that thread and uh, put your idea down. And if we've already done it, we will link to the episode, uh, but you could hear your idea Mm. in an episode in, in a few months. If you're still listening, because this is like the outro of outro of outros, but yeah. Thank well, you. <laughs> if you're if you're still listening, if you're that committed, you could hear your You probably idea. have some good ideas for yeah. a podcast. <laughs> All right. Okay. Signing off. <laughs> Sayonara. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. 
With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.